you're invited to get out your Bible or Bible app and go to today's reading from the Gospel of John. Bibles are available on the backs of the chairs and they're free for the taking if anyone needs one. And now today's scripture reading, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you are to be called Sephas, which is translated Peter. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Lisanne. So we are going to have a baptism at 11.15, a little girl. So if you want to come back and participate in that, you're welcome to do so. A baptism is always really, really fun. So as we prepare to engage the scripture together today, I invite you to make sure you keep your Bibles and Bible apps open to John chapter 1. We also have highlighters and sticky notes for you to mark your place and to highlight anything that stands out to you. I'll make some suggestions regarding that as well. So feel free to participate in that way. And do we have a youth word of the day? The youth give me a word from you and Nathan. Okay, we'll see. We'll see, Nathan. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Very good. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in my early 20s, I set foot on an airplane for the first time, flying to Juneau, Alaska, with a group of church friends to participate in leading a camp for local children there. During that week, the possibilities really opened up for me as I began to consider the role that God might be calling me to play in the church and in the world. Research shows that 83% of people who attend a church service or event for the first time do so at the invitation of someone that they know. 
83% of first-time guests in church were invited by someone they know. This inside-out approach serves as the premise of our current two-week theme as we consider the place where our identity and our purpose meet. Last week, we talked about our choice to engage in the community and how that allows God's grace to shape us from the inside out. This week, we turn to the power of invitation. It was a practice employed by Jesus himself, and that brings us to the Gospel of John. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how the Gospel of John does not begin with a birth narrative of Jesus. It begins instead with his establishment as the word of God and the light of the world. Six verses into the Gospel, we meet John the Baptist, who is described as a key witness to that light, his purpose being to testify to Jesus. Our text unfolds for this morning uh, just a little bit later in that same chapter. By this time, John is a well-known prophet. He has built a ministry. He has gathered a following, preaching repentance and forgiveness and offering baptism, but he's continuing to play that supporting role of preparing the way for Jesus. I baptize with water, he says in verse 26 of chapter 1. But the one who is coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. So in our passage for today, beginning in verse 35, is where we're told that John was standing with two of his disciples when Jesus walks by and John says, look, there he is the Lamb of God. It was a bold claim. This phrase, the Lamb of God, would have transported John's disciples back to the story of the Exodus when God, through Moses, told the people to put the blood of lambs on their doors so that their firstborn children would escape the death that was coming for hundreds of Egyptian children. The prophet Isaiah used similar language to foretell of a savior who would face death for the people like a lamb to slaughter. In a previous conversation, followers of John the Baptist would have connected those references to their leader's proclamation that Jesus was the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And of course, such power of the blood of the lamb to save is reinforced in the book of Revelation which was likely written about the same time that John came into its final form. So here John is, claiming that all of this power is walking around in this man named Jesus, and it was enough for his two friends, John's two disciples, to leave him right where he stood and to begin to follow Jesus instead. So let's take a look at verses 38 and 39 of chapter 1. You have time to find it if you closed your Bible. It's okay. John chapter 1. Your Bible app works as well. John chapter 1, verses 38 and 39. Do you have it? I'm getting nods. Okay. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? 
They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying. And they remained with him that day. And it was four o'clock in the afternoon. That's John chapter 1, verses 38 and 39. And I would encourage you to consider highlighting, if you can, the question, what are you looking for? And the invitation to come and see. Again, these disciples were quite literally walking behind Jesus when he turns around and asks, what? And what are you looking for? He did not ask, why are you following me? He already knows they're following him because something is missing, because they are searching, they are looking for something or someone. Now, presumably, this pair had been following John the Baptist for some time, and their choice to leave their teacher and follow a new one is a sign in real time of what God, what, what God had told John to prophesy. It's, it's a sign in real time of John's message that he would be preparing the way for someone else and that that way was beginning to be revealed to those who would be willing to make the transition from John to Jesus. So these two are among the first and they, they knew they needed more. They needed more time at the feet of this person that their former teacher was claiming to be the Lamb of God. So they ask him, where are you staying? And Jesus replies, Come and see. Jesus does not take this opportunity to preach a sermon or to give a commercial about the kingdom of God or even to affirm his own identity as a lamb of God. He instead opts for three little words. Come and see. It's a phrase that is used four times in the Gospel of John, twice by Jesus himself and twice by people who are inviting others to see what Jesus is up to in that moment. It's a phrase of invitation, calling forth a spirit of curiosity, in this case coming directly from the mouth of Jesus. And so we read in verse 39 that the two people followed Jesus to his place of lodging and remained with him until late in the afternoon. One of them was named Andrew. He had a brother named Simon. And after his encounter with Jesus, Andrew rushes to Simon, proclaiming, we have found the Messiah. The text tells us the Messiah also means anointed. Remember, to be anointed as with oil is a sign of the power of the Holy Spirit to set someone apart for a holy purpose, a sacred purpose. The Christ, foretold by prophets, a savior to bear the sin of the world would be such a sacred role. And Andrew is claiming that he has found the person who has been sent to play that role, or perhaps that Andrew has been found in his experience of Jesus. And Andrew wants the same for his brother, so he brings Simon to Jesus to meet face to face. You are Simon. Jesus says, seeing the man not merely for who he was in that moment, but for what and who he could become. But from now on, your name will be Cephas. We know him as Peter, the rock 
on which the church was built after Jesus' resurrection. Are you catching the series of invitations that led up to this moment? Peter is being invited first by Andrew and then by Jesus himself into this new way of living. Andrew was invited to prepare for such a journey of following Jesus with his experience of following John. John the Baptist had been invited into his role as a key witness to Jesus by the Holy Spirit, of course, but also by his parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who had been invited to raise him for such a purpose. Every single human being in this story is looking for something. Elizabeth and Zechariah for deliverance from their shame as a childless couple. John the Baptist for the Messiah. Andrew and Peter for something more, something beyond their current identity and purpose. And that's why Jesus asked Andrew and his first companion, what are you looking for? Everyone is looking for something. Beloved, you are looking for something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here worshiping in person or online today when you could be doing so many other things. And everyone you know and everyone you meet is looking for something. The good news is that the invitation remains before us, extended by Jesus to come and see but we must consider exactly where we are willing to go. Where are we willing to go? What are we willing to see? The invitation remains, but are we willing to accept it? And even more than that, are we willing to extend it? Even as we accept the invitation of Jesus to come and see for ourselves, are we willing to extend that invitation to others just as Andrew did? Whom are we willing to invite? This is not about increasing numbers in our worship services, although I will say last week we had more people in worship in person and online since I have been here in two and a half years. But the reason for that is because we are inviting people into an encounter with God. When we invite people to participate in our community, we are inviting them to hear God's invitation to embrace their identity as a child of God and to connect with their purpose as Brianna, an eight-year-old, will do later today. Our invitation to others opens doors for people to recognize an even better invitation from God. After quite some time, and many experiences in my faith community after that trip to Alaska, I called one of my pastors and asked if we could talk. As we sat together later at a table over a large plate of enchiladas, she listened to me talk about an invitation I thought I was hearing from God. I think God is calling me to ordained ministry, I said, not just a little bit terrified of even thinking about that prospect. And Janice looked at me, and she smiled with affirmation. Amy, she said, we've all just been waiting for you to figure that out. Here's the thing. 
I am not 100% sure that I would be standing before you right now if not for that conversation. If not for my home congregation's repeated invitation to belong and to worship and to serve and to preach. And oh my goodness, those early sermons, y'all. Yikes. Thankfully, that was before we filmed everything. But the, the point is our invitation to others opens the door for them to recognize an even better invitation from God. Our invitation to others opens the door for them to recognize an even better invitation from God. But it does take time, an average of eight to nine times, in fact. That's what the research says. It takes eight to nine invitations for someone to say yes to participating in a church activity these days. And that means we need to be undeterred by the word no or by a lack of response. Now, that does not mean that we need to pester people. I'm not advocating for that. It just means that we need to be ready to offer the invitation again when a low-key, no-pressure moment presents itself in our conversation and our interactions with others. And it helps to have specific events to which to invite people. And so I can help you with that. That's why you have these pieces of paper. The staff and I have created a list of worship services and opportunities to gather and serve between now and Easter, and it is not exhaustive. I'm sure you have other opportunities as well. You can see this list online, and we can also make that available to you later. You also have a blank invitation card here in the sanctuary. And again, we can make those available to you online too. So you can write down the name of the person that you'd like to invite and the details of the event. That list has all the events coming up between now and Easter, most of them anyway. And then you have the blank card. So when, when the Holy Spirit places on your heart the encouragement to invite someone to check something out, you have resources and tools here to make an invitation. Beloved, this is our way of saying, come and see. Come and see what God is up to at Morningstar. Come and see the grace of Jesus. Come and see the Spirit at work. Come and see. And may we never underestimate the power of invitation to open the door to encounter God from the inside out. Amen. Amen. The word of the day was Olympian. And I thought about using it toward the beginning with the Lamb of God, but I just, I forgot. <laughs> so, good job, Carter and Nathan. You get a dollar. Let's take a deep breath now as we move into prayer. We are a praying community. We share our prayer requests and concerns through email every Monday. If you're not receiving that email, please let me know. Please be in prayer for Chris Fernandez, who is ill today. And because she is ill, the grief support group will not be meeting this afternoon. So if you're a part of that, please make note of that and pray for Chris's recovery. Let's take a deep breath. Gracious and loving God. 
We thank you for your never-ending invitation to us to come and see, to come and see what you are up to in our lives and in the world, to come and see that part that we could play in extending grace to others, to come and see the hope that continues to unfold when your people come together. Instill in us the courage to invite others to come and see when the opportunities present themselves. We thank you for the witnesses in our lives that have testified to your goodness and caught our attention and have walked with us and have invited us into deeper relationship with you. And we offer ourselves to be those witnesses to others. We offer ourselves to follow you, claiming our identity as your children and understanding that our purpose is very much connected with who you say we are. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.